God is good. Amen? I had the very unusual experience happen to me a couple days ago. It's hard to tell, but I, I got a haircut. And so uh, I go to this lady, and she's a Cambodian lady, wonderful lady, very sweet. She cuts my hair exactly the way I like it, short and messy. And uh, when she was about to cut my hair, it happened. She was right behind me, and I could see her in the mirror, and she stopped, and she looked, and she said, have you ever thought about dyeing your hair? And I said, what do you mean? I dyed it when I was younger, different colors. And she said, no, just how about dyeing it now? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, because your hair is gray. And I said, oh, <laughs> and she started laughing, and I go, it's not necessary. But I realized something. I said, wow, the time has finally come when people are starting to recognize I have gray hair. But what's interesting is, regardless of the fact that I have gray hair, there is a very special promise found in Isaiah chapter 46. And I found this promise one day when I did look in the mirror and I said, wow, I, Lord, I am getting older. And I went right to my Bible and opened to Isaiah 46. And this is so remarkable. It happened just right after I said that. Isaiah 46, and look what it says in verse 4. Even to your old age, I am he. Even to your gray hairs, I will carry you. Can you say amen to that? Even to our gray hairs, God will carry us. Well, why don't we start with a word of prayer. Let's ask Jesus to bless us with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I am thirsty for the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much again for this time. Thank you, Lord, for Sabbath mornings and the excitement we have when we open up your word. Jesus, we know that we acknowledge that we are living in very unusual times. And time is short, God. We just pray and ask that you would make this message productive of good. And we pray and ask that every person who walks out, Lord, will know that the Spirit of God has ministered directly to their heart. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just want to remind you, if you might not have heard already, there is going to be a 24-hour prayer vigil next weekend, and it starts Friday night at 7 o'clock, and will go all the way till Saturday, 7 o'clock. And the reason why we need to pray is because God wants to do some big things. Amen? And there's some big things we need to pray about. We need to pray, number one, for God to pour upon us His Holy Spirit. And if we're not a praying church, we are a dying church. Amen? And one thing that, uh, what, that really was, sim or you can say was the mark of the early church, was the fact that they prayed. They didn't just pray over their food. They really prayed. Amen? They prayed without ceasing. The second thing is, we want to pray for our Houston ministry. We want to pray and ask that God would continue to open doors because he is the only one that can lead us into that city. Can you say amen to that? I don't know if you heard, just this last week, there was a double homicide there. Folks, what's interesting about that is that our Bob worker had just hit up that area. The devil is doing his best over there. But we need to pray and ask that God would open more doors. And if you got a, an extra... Um, you know, a little bit of time while you're driving home, feel free to stop in Houston um, and, and stop at one of the restaurants, off Sabbath hours, of course. Stop at one of the restaurants, get to know the people. There's a, a very wonderful group of individuals there, but get to know the people in Houston. Start letting them know about uh, what our desires are and what God is doing, because, folks, you're going to be very surprised when you'll find out that a lot of people are hungering for the truth. Can you say amen to that? 
The third thing we need to pray for is our church budget. We are definitely in the red, and only God himself can provide. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Sam. I am extremely thirsty. These things are really small, too. Okay, very good. We're going to be taking a good look at uh, a very interesting passage in the Bible. Take your Bible. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Early on in the week, I was praying, and I was saying, Lord, what is the message for the church this Sabbath? And God really impressed me, the message of Ezekiel chapter 37. My prayer was that God would give us something so special, he would revive our hearts. Can you say amen to that? And so we're going to be taking a good look at Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, that's page 841 in the uh, seminar Bibles, if you need to find the page number. But we're looking at Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. Amen. All right, now why don't we go ahead and start with verse 1. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me into the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of what? Bones. And then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. So here's Ezekiel. He gets taken up in vision, and he's placed right into this valley. It was an open valley. It was just a lot of space, and he begins to notice all around him there are bones. Now, when you see a lot of bones, it usually indicates two things. Number one, the absence of life and the presence of death. So you can imagine here, Ezekiel is brought to this desert-like area, and you can imagine the, the outcroppings of the, the rocky mountains that are right there, and he's looking, and he's just seeing all these bones, and you can just imagine in your mind, probably there are vultures going around in the sky, and probably some cactuses and some scorpions, and he's looking, and he's seeing all these bones that are just scattered there. The Bible says he noticed bones, but then when he actually touched down, he noticed there was very many bones. I mean, the whole place was just a boneyard. There were so many bones there. Now watch what happens next. It's very interesting. Look what it says in verse 3. He said to me, son of man, can these bones, what's that next word? Live. Can these bones live? Ezekiel ask, uh, gets asked a, a very interesting question by his angel, and that question is, hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? These dry, bleached bones. Now, when you see bones, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? When you see bones, what comes to your mind? Well, obviously death, but you begin to think to yourself, if you're like me, how did this thing die? You know, when I begin to look at this message of Ezekiel chapter 37, I was not so much concerned about what happens next, but I was concerned about how did you start off with the valley of bones? You come to find out that these valley of, this valley of bones, bones represents the house of Israel, God's people. Apparently, there's been a great massacre of some kind. There is death in the valley. And, and the angel begins to ask Ezekiel and says, wait a minute, can these bones live? Obviously implying they were dead. You see bones, you think death, right? The muscle, the tissue, the skin has all worn away, and all there is is just death. There's just bones there. It's very interesting as you begin to ponder this question, how did the house of Israel end up which as just uh, being represented uh, by a, a dry bone valley? Now, it's very interesting. Take your Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 17. I'm going to show you something very interesting. Proverbs chapter 17. 
Proverbs chapter 17, and when you're there, go ahead and say amen. How in the world did you guys get there that fast? Proverbs chapter, unless you guys are looking up here at the notes, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. All right, if you're there, if you're there go ahead and say amen. Amen, very good. Proverbs chapter 17, look at verse 22. See what the Bible says here, it's very interesting. A merry heart does good like what? Medicine. Sometimes we'll see people and we'll say, hey, you need to cheer up, and we'll quote them, a merry heart does good like medicine. You need to be happy because it's like medicine to your health. And we're always trying to be cheerful around people who are ill, right? Because they're not very cheerful. Take a good look at what the next verse, part of the verse says. It's very interesting. But a broken, what's that next word? Spirit dries the what? The bones. Now, this is Solomon speaking here, the wisest man, and he says something, a very interesting principle. He says, a broken spirit dries the bone. Now, when Ezekiel touched down to the valley, what did he see? A group of dry bones. Now, let's just think about this for just a second. What led to these dry bones? Some kind of broken spirit. In other words, Israel was broken by something. There was something that took place in the hearts of the Israelites that utterly just broke them. And that's why when God takes Ezekiel and shows him what took place, Ezekiel is just blown away. And he sees all these bones. But Solomon makes it very clear that there was a heart, a heart-wrenching, there was some type of heart-breaking that took place in Israel. Apparently, Israel was so discouraged by something. What you begin to understand when you study the context, you begin to understand that Babylon had taken Israel into captivity. They took away their land, they took away their people, and took away their dreams. And because of it, Israel was left discouraged and in ruins. In fact, when you study the book of Deuteronomy, what you'll find out is that God gave several promises to the Israelites. And he said, if you follow me, I will bless you, I will bless you, I will bless you. But then he says, if you reject me, then people are going to walk by your nation and they're just going to see ruins everywhere. And they will realize that this is a nation that did not follow God. And so when Ezekiel is taken down, he's touched down right there on ground zero, he sees a valley of bones. And all of a sudden the thoughts come to him, death. There was some type of death that took place here, a spiritual death that eventually led to some kind of physical death. Some type of a broken spirit took place in Israel. What happened to the Israelites? What took place during this time of trial and discouragement? Well, you'll go down to the end of Ezekiel chapter 37, and you're actually going to learn more about their attitude. Go all the way to verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of what? Israel. They are indeed, excuse, they indeed say our bones are what? Are dry. And by the way, what leads to uh, dry bones? A broken spirit. Let's keep going. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are what? Cut off. You begin to, to hone in on the attitude or the spirit of the Israelites. At that time, the Bible makes it very clear. These individuals were saying, our hope is cut off. We have lost everything. They say, our dreams have been dashed. We don't have a hope. That's very interesting because when a nation loses its hope, it begins to immediately crumble. By the way, you want to know what the hope of the church is today? Anybody know what the hope of the church is today? 
Take your Bible, go to Titus. I'll show you what the hope of the church is today. We just looked at a church that lost its hope, and what was the result? A broken spirit and nothing else but being symbolized by broken bones. But now you're going to look at a church that actually has a hope, and it's a distinct kind of hope, and you'll see the difference. Take your Bible, go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Amen. Titus chapter 2. Take a good look at verse 11. It's page 1146. Okay, Titus chapter 2, starting with verse 11. Look what the Bible says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to how many men? All men. Salvation has made provision for all people, not just a select group of individuals. Teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lust, we should live, what's that next word? Soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed, what's that next word? Hope and the glorious appearing of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, keep going, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special, well, people zealous for good works. Now I want you to see something. Paul here is describing the early church and he's saying something so remarkable. He is saying that this church recognize this, that God has made salvation possible for everybody and that they actually have a distinct kind of hope. And what is the name of this hope? The blessed hope. In other words, you want to know what the hope was of the early church? It was the hope of the second coming of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? But this is very important. We're looking at a group of people that actually had a distinct kind of hope. They lived their lives, they, they purposely arranged things in their life and their business, all for the glory of the second coming. These were individuals who looked forward for the second coming of Jesus. Now, we're brought right back all the way to Israel, and we see that they lost their what? Hope. It even says, our hope is cut off. And folks, the church without the blessed hope is nothing more than the Valley of Boneyards. Valley of Bones. A church without the blessed hope is nothing more in a valley of bones. Christians without the hope of the second coming is nothing more than just someone who's just a skeleton. A Seventh-day Adventist who does not live their life for the second coming should belong over there where those bones are. Folks, you want to know what's intrinsic to, to fire? You know what's intrinsic or inherent to fire? Burning. When something stops burning, it's not fire. When the church ceases to live for the hope of the second coming, guess what? It ceases to be the church. Specific to the identity of the church is a group of people who are preparing for the second coming of Jesus. And that's why this early church, the Bible says, was his own special people because they had hope or the blessed hope that Jesus would come. Can you say amen to that? And somehow, I don't know what has taken place, but Seventh-day Adventists begin to think to themselves, you know what, Jesus is not going to come back. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And God is calling his people to live like Jesus is coming back. Can you say amen? Not like he's never coming, but coming back, but the fact that he is coming back. Amen? And this hope should guide everything in our lives. And what's interesting about that is this, is that because we have the blessed hope, because we have the blessed hope of the soon coming of Jesus Christ, we should be the most happiest people on earth. I wish there was more amens for that. Now, I didn't say that we wouldn't have less trials. 
God's people will, in fact, will have more trials. So if you're having a bunch of trials, rejoice. Amen? But guess what? In spite of the trials that happen to you, you have a hope in this world. And that hope is that when Jesus comes, he's going to make the wrong things right. Can you say hallelujah to that? And folks, this is the way that Christians ought to live. This is the way that Christians ought to live. We ought to live that Jesus, like Jesus, is coming back. Hence the name Adventist. Do you know what the word Adventist means? It's not just some funny European term from the, 19, from the 1880s. The word Adventist actually means Advent. In other words, people who are waiting for the second Advent of Jesus. And I love what Ellen White says. She says there's something so peculiar about that name. It is a standing rebuke. These are her words. A standing rebuke to the Protestant world. You should never be embarrassed by the fact that you are an Adventist. I heard some people, they said, hey, hey, what, what denomination are you? What church are you from? <coughs> Adventist. <laughs> and they're about to choke and fall on the ground. Oh, you're a Methodist. Yeah, something like that. Now, I'm not saying let's be prideful about that, but I am saying you need to be firm about who you are. Amen? Because if you don't know who you are, then you don't know what you're living for. Amen? Amen. And if you are a Seventh-day Adventist, then you're going to be living for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? And folks, this is what the early church possessed, and this is what God's people should possess in these times. Folks, we're not talking about a secret rapture here. We are talking about the biblical second coming of Jesus. Amen? I heard one person put it this way. They said, the secret rapture is so secret, not even the Bible knows about it. <laughs> but we're not about a secret rapture. We are about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Amen. 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 Well, let's find out more about this boneyard. Let's find out more about this group of people who apparently lost their hope in the second coming or the coming of the deliverer or redeemer. Let's find out more. Let's find out what God wants to do to restore this group of people to revive these individuals. Let's keep going. Ezekiel chapter 37. Look at verse 4. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the, what's the next word? Word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall know, you shall live, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. Look at verse 7. Watch Ezekiel. He follows the instructions of God. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. I don't know if it was an explosion, but let's keep going. And suddenly there was a rattling. <laughs> I don't know how rattling sounds, but maybe it sounds like that. And the bones came together. The hip bones kicked into the thigh bone. All of a sudden these bones were coming together. Ezekiel's just watching this sight. He hears this powerful noise. And all these bones begin to come together. They begin to lock together. Let's keep going. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. But there was no, what's that next word? Breath in them. Now watch what Ezekiel does. He follows the instruction of God. The instruction of God is this. Give the word to the people of God. So as he begins to give the word of God, all of a sudden there's movement. There's organization. All of a sudden it seems as if this, this massive group of bones begins to come together. It seems as if God is doing something powerful. And as Ezekiel is watching, all of a sudden he is seeing all these bodies come together and their sinews coming together and their skin, being, skin coming together. And he's watching the whole thing and he's just blown away. But then he looks 
and still he notices there's no life in them. There's still no life in these, this group of people. God is in the progress of resurrecting these individuals. And he's showing Ezekiel what he wants to do. And the first step was giving the word of God. Can you say amen to that? Was giving the word of God. Folks, I really believe that God calls us to spend time in his word every single day. Can you say amen to that? If you don't start your day with the word of God, you're going to start with something else. And I promise you that you're not going to like it. Amen? When you spend time in the word every single day, what happens is something so remarkable. There's so many things today that are going to take your attention from you. There's so much technology today. There's so much addictions in this world today. And what Satan is doing, he is sucking the life out of the people of God. And I shared this with you guys the other day. Psalm 115 describes idols. It says this. It says, eyes they have, but they don't what? See, ears they have, but they don't hear. Mouth they have, but they don't speak. Fingers they have, but they don't touch. And what Ezekiel, or what David is saying about idols is that they are lifeless. And what's remarkable at the end of Psalm 115, it says, and those who trust in them become like them. So if you're trusting into lifeless things, what happens to you? If you're trusting lifeless things, what happens to you? You become lifeless. In, nothing, in other words, nothing but bones. And dare I say that there are a lot of dead people walking outside. And a lot of dead people here too. Folks, this world is going to take everything from you and give you nothing back. And what Jesus is trying to do, he is trying to alarm, to awaken his people before destruction takes place. Because there's one thing that God alone knows, and that is the future. Can you say amen to that? None of us should ever think to ourselves, oh, well, it's very difficult for me to surrender. Folks, God wants us to surrender. Amen? As difficult as it may be, you know, I have this Pomeranian. You guys know what a Pomeranian is? It's a mop without a stick, okay? I had a Pomeranian when I was younger. I've always wanted one. It's very bizarre, but I had a Pomeranian. He was stable color. He's just a beautiful dog. And this dog had a very interesting habit. You know what the habit of this dog was? Is that whenever dogs would walk by the house, he would act really tough and start barking at these other dogs. But when the dogs came running up to the, to the door, he would back away. This dog also had another unusual habit, is that as soon as the door was open, he'd take off running. And this dog, uh, you know, was, a, uh, it was an expensive dog. It wasn't cheap. And he'd take off. One time I caught this guy trying to kidnap the dog. I chased the guy away. It's a Pomeranian. Who'd kidnap a Pomeranian? He did try to. But then one thing I began to notice about this Pomeranian is that he would run in the middle of the street, and many times he was almost hit by cars. You hear this, and this Pomeranian would be there. Finally, one day he got out, and I can outrun this Pomeranian. He's got little legs, okay? I can outrun him. He got out, and I noticed him just take off. I mean, he was just like a prisoner. He was just, he's out of there. And so I was like, uh-oh. I got out, and I just started chasing after him, and I was catching up to him. And all of a sudden, this car was coming, right? And you know what this thing does, the Pomeranian? He falls on the ground and just lays over in a submissive stance. And the car's like, and this dog is just there. I'm there, and I'm just looking at this dog. He's laid over, and the guy's probably thinking, what in the world is happening right now? Every time I'd go after this dog, when I'd get close to him, he'd fall over, and he would surrender. But you see, this something this dog didn't understand was that I was trying to save him from danger. But instead, he kept running out into danger. Oftentimes, surrendering to God is so difficult, but folks, listen to me. God is trying to save us from something far more worse than we really realize. So we need to heed the voice of God. Amen? 
And in his word, we need to listen to the instruction of God that when God Almighty speaks to us in the word of God, God is seeking to produce in us life. Can you say amen to that? And every day when you spend time in the word of God, it's so remarkable because when you don't spend time in the word of God, what you then will see, you will then see God through the world's eyes if you don't spend time in the word of God. But when you spend time in the word of God, then you're going to see the world through God's eyes. Can you say hallelujah to that? So you need to spend time every single day. When you wake up, you go to the bathroom, drink your water, do whatever you need to do, as just really quickly, but jump back on your bed or your desk, and you need to open up the scriptures every single day. Can you say amen to that? But folks, this wasn't enough. The word of God was not enough to save the children of Israel. Watch what happens next. It's very interesting. Ezekiel notices that the army stands up, but he notices that there is no life in them. Just like when God made Adam, there was still no life in Adam until he breathed into Adam. Now let's keep going. Look at verse 9. And he said to me, prophesy to the breast, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, the word is ruach, which means spirit. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. And by the way, when you do actually a study of four winds, what you actually discover, many times the four winds represent the purposes or will of God. And so the will of God right here is commanding that the Spirit of God go forth. Now let's see what happens. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they, what? May live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, and there was a country club there. Is that what it says? When the Spirit of God came into these individuals, did they see a group of people who were disorganized, who were just sitting there waiting for something to take place? What did Ezekiel see when the breath came into them? A great army. And by the way, when you study Revelation chapter 7 and you do a study on the 144,000, one thing you'll notice is that they are numbered. They're what? They're numbered. It says 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from this tribe. And many people get caught up in numbers. But here's one thing you need to understand. In the Old Testament... Numbering took place during times of war. David did it during times of peace, and that's why he got into big trouble. But numbering took place during times of war. So when you fast forward to go all the way to the book of Revelation, and you see the 144,000 who have been sealed by God, who are numbered, what the Bible is trying to communicate about the 144,000 is that they are an army. They are an army. These individuals are out for war. And so when Ezekiel sees the breath of God, the Spirit of God come into these individuals, he doesn't just see a country club, and rather he sees an exceedingly great and powerful army. And folks, armies are good for one thing, war. War. The Spirit of God came into these people. As a church, we can be organized. As a group of people, we can know what to do in this situation, what not to do in this situation. As a body of believers, we can say yes to a, uh, a, an intellectual ascent to all the truth, all the teachings of the word of God, but the, the spirit of God does not live in you, guess what? You're still dead. Amen? If the spirit of God does not live in you, you're still dead. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I miss Daniel Esaias, but that guy works. <laughs> Folks, the spirit of God needs to be in our lives. Do you have the spirit of God in you today? Does the spirit dwell in your life today? Or you're walking around, waiting, waiting for something to take place. Folks, today, today, God is offering his Holy Spirit. You know, it's very interesting. I was involved in the anointings at the uh, camp meeting. 
And so as I was anointing somebody, God impressed me because I was anointing actually an older minister. I felt very intimidated. But as I was just anointing him because he wanted healing, I was praying for him, and I said, Brother, if I as a human being am willing to anoint you with regular oil, olive oil, how much more will the Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? Amen? If, if I'm willing to do that, me being evil, willing to anoint somebody, God is even more willing to give the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? And God wants to give his spirit to each and every person here. And folks, when the spirit of God falls upon his people, remarkable things take place. Can you say amen to that? Folks, do you remember what took place during the time of John the Baptist? Do you remember when John the Baptist was preaching? All of a sudden, this great revival took place right before the Messiah came the first time. And right before the Messiah comes the second time, there's going to be a great revival with his spirit. Can you say amen to that? But what's so remarkable about John the Baptist when he was preaching, the Bible says men begin to come all over and they wanted to be baptized. Amen? But it wasn't just those men. You know who else showed up? Pharisees and Sadducees. And you know what those Pharisees and Sadducees wanted too? They wanted baptism. Because even they, as hardened as their hearts were, began to sense the Spirit of God. But do you remember what John the Baptist said to them? He said, you brood of vipers. Can you imagine that? People show up, Pharisees and Sadducees show up at the series church and our greeters tell them, hey, you brood of vipers, who warned you to come? But the Spirit of God was working so powerfully even upon these, other, these wicked men that they wanted change. Folks, when the Spirit of God begins to take place, people are going to be coming out of the woodworks and they're going to say, what is it that you have and how can I receive the same thing? Can you say amen to that? The Spirit of God wants to do powerful things. And when the Spirit of God finally entered into the army, entered into this group of people, that's when they became an army. Can you say amen to that? You know, I want to read you something very interesting. This is very powerful. And it's found in messages to young people. Very powerful. Ellen White. There is nothing that Satan fears so much. Want to hear the rest? You want to find out what he is so afraid of more than anything in this world? There is nothing that Satan fears so much as that the people of God shall clear the way by removing every hindrance so that the Lord can pour out his spirit, get this, upon a languishing church. You know what the word languishing means? It means dying. His spirit falling upon a languishing church. Now I'm going to read you the rest. It's very interesting. If Satan had his way, there would never be another awakening. Great or small to the end of time. But we are not ignorant of his devices. It is possible to resist his power. When the way is prepared for the spirit of God, the blessing will come. Satan can no more hinder a shower of blessing from descending upon God's people than he can close the windows of heaven that rain cannot come upon the earth. Wicked men and devils cannot hinder the work of God or shut out his presence from the assemblies of his people. Now get this. If they will, with subdued, contrite hearts, confess and put away their sins and in faith claim his promises. Can you say amen to that? If Satan had his way, there would never be a revival amongst God's people. There would never be a, a moment when the Spirit of God would come on, in powerful ways if Satan had his way. Folks, I want you to get this. Let this sink in. If you're somebody who is struggling in your spiritual life, or if you're somebody who has been emotionally or spiritually bruised, if you're somebody who feels like a dead person here today, God is offering life to you. God is offering his life to you. 
God is willing to pour out the Holy Spirit like never before. And folks, next weekend, we're going to be doing a 24-hour prayer vigil. Folks, come for one hour if you want the blessings of the Spirit of God. Come and pray. God wants to do big things. And folks, he can't wait to pour his Holy Spirit in you. And when his Spirit dwells in you, folks, there will be life. Can you say amen to that? There will be life. There will be life. There will be life. And God wants to give you life today. He wants to pour out his Holy Spirit to you today. Folks, why don't we take a moment of silence and let's come to the Lord Jesus and let's just take a, a moment to pray and seek our hearts and ask and plead for the Spirit of God. Let nothing hinder. If there's something in your life, it's time to give it to God. Something you're struggling with, it's time to give it to the Lord and ask him to remove it so that the Spirit of God, the blessings of heaven can come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that the biggest burden we can bear is the burden of sin. And guilt. And Lord, we just pray and ask that you would, in the midst of our hopelessness and our despair, that you come close to your people right now. And you would bless them, Jesus, with the Spirit of God. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. Father, if Satan fears it so much, it's because it will conquer his power. It will overcome his work. And Lord, we want as much of the Holy Spirit as you are willing to give. And we know that you're willing. Dear Jesus, we don't want nothing to stand in the way. We want nothing to hinder your work. Lord, like John the Baptist proclaimed, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Take those stones out of the road. Lord, if there is something, a stumbling block in our life, something that has Satan has placed there that is causing us to trip and fall, Lord, we pray that you'd remove those things. We give you permission. God, we want to honor you and follow you with our whole heart. We don't want to be in the valley of dry bones. But we want to be part of what you're doing now, God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.